We're taking a short break from our regular series to re-air some past Christmas episodes. I'm going to try and release one a day until Christmas, and then after Christmas, we will return to our regular series. So enjoy this Christmas church history episode. Because today's episode happened in 1989, Many of it was caught on camera. In today's episode, you're going to hear sound effects, and I want you to know that all the sound effects you hear in today's episode are from actual footage filmed that Christmas. I was 13 years old in 1989. I lived in Newfoundland, Canada. However, my parents were active in helping the underground church in communist countries. People inside the communist countries would leak stories to North America, and the stories were printed and sent to churches around North America. On the wall in our playroom was a poster with the faces of pastors who were held in prison. We prayed for the pastors and for freedom to come to the people being held in communist countries. June the 4th of 1989, students stood up against the Chinese Communist Party and they were driven over by tanks. That same year, November the 9th of 1989, the world sat in awe as the Berlin Wall was torn down brick by brick and Western and Eastern Germany was reunited. This was something nobody thought would ever happen. Nikolai and his wife, Elena, took control of Romania in 1965. Under the rule of Nikolai and Elena, people were promised equity. Everybody would live completely equal. Large estate homes were destroyed and in their place, Large apartment complexes were built. The citizens were promised that everyone would have a home to live in, and people were allocated apartments. Citizens were told they would be free to speak against the government. Freedom of speech would, of course, be allowed. After a trip to China and then North Korea, Nikolai and Elena began to implement the leadership styles of those dictators. Nikolai sent out a pamphlet known as the July Theses, this was the start of the harsh dictatorship that would last from 1965 all the way until 1984. Nikolai put his own family into core roles of the government. His life, Elena, was second in command. By 1980, the living standards of the citizens was unlivable. Because of the food shortage, people were given food cards that would allow them to have a limited amount of staples, such as sugar and oil. Bread was only sold in specific stores, and only an allotted number of bread loaves could be sold. People stood in line for hours to get their one loaf of bread. Anyone caught buying food not allotted to their household was sent to prison for up to five years. In 1982, the government scientists created a program called the Scientific Diet Program. The scientists declared that the average amount of calories a person should consume is 2,700. Now, for the health and safety of the citizens, more food restrictions were created. The government didn't want its citizens to become obese. These new rules were only for the health and safety of its citizens. Soy farms were given priority, and soy was to be eaten in the place of meat. Soy sausages were sold. There was a new coffee that the government allowed, but the government only allowed 20% of it to be made from actual coffee. 30% was made from chickpeas. 
Desserts were considered luxuries and not necessary. Only the rich elites were able to eat chocolate. Gasoline was also rationed. You were allowed 20 liters a month. And there were curfews telling you what time you needed to be home and in your home. TV could be broadcast for two hours a day, and the government had full control of what was broadcasted. Anyone who spoke out against the party or about Nikolai and Elena would disappear. The soldiers and police were harsh, but the worst was the secret police. You never knew if you were standing next to someone who was a citizen fighting to survive just like you, or a member of the secret police. Because of this, there was no trust between friends or family. Everyone simply kept to themselves. Leaving the country was, of course, against the law. Anyone caught trying to leave the country was taken to prison and tortured. And churches were declared illegal. In 1988, the communists created another mandate. All public spaces had to keep their temperature under 16 degrees Celsius. And the government would randomly turn off electricity. All light bulbs had to be under 40 watts. Electricity and water became rationed. Nikolai and Elena told the citizens they could simply wear coats inside their house if they needed to keep warm. Anyone opposed to the government or who broke any other regulations was thrown into prison. During the years of Nikolai and Elena's reign, millions of citizens were sent to prison, and it is estimated that around 435,000 citizens were killed. And this leads us to December of 1989. A Baptist pastor had begun to preach against the dictatorship rule of Nikolai and Elena. Laszlo Tokes was a large man. He was a good-looking man with a deep, compelling voice. The kind of man people follow. He became the pastor of his church in 1987. The university students were especially drawn to him. Pastor Tokes found boxes of hidden records from his church. The records were of baptism and church memberships from before the mandates of Nikolai and Elena. He tracked down and found the members and told them it was time to return to church. It didn't matter if the government was forbidding church. What mattered is that God was calling his people, his church, to follow him and not the government. And the miracle is, people began to return to church. They faced the threat of prison, and many faced actual prison. By 1989, the church enrollment was at 5,000. People were not attending a church with meaningless, trite sermons. They were being taught deep theology. And they were disciplined to be true, strong, courageous followers of Jesus Christ. Each Sunday, secret police attended the church services and sent names of attendees to the government. Men were imprisoned. The most shocking was that Pastor Tokes preached Christians should worship Jesus Christ and not the government. And this, of course, could not be tolerated by Nikolai. All the food cards for Pastor Tokes and his family were taken away, leaving him with no way to feed his family. His congregation barely had food for their own family. Yet, they smuggled food and firewood to the pastor. Even with the threat of his family starving, Pastor Tokes refused to stop preaching. Then one night, men broke into the home of Pastor Tokes 
and tried to stab him to death. Men from his church felt called by God to visit the pastor that evening. They found him and saved his life. He was left with knife wounds to his face. Then Nikolai ordered the pastor evicted from his apartment and the church to be bulldozed. The date was set for Friday, December the 15th, 1989. The Sunday before, Pastor Tokes told his church he was going to be evicted on Friday, and he wanted to make sure that it would be seen. So he called his church to come as witnesses. He told them they must not be violent. They were only to pray, sing hymns, and be a witness to the eviction. The men in the prison began to pray for a miracle. God promised the nation of Israel that if they humbled themselves, turned from their wicked ways, that God would hear their prayers from heaven and would heal their land. The men prayed for a miracle, that God would give the same grace to the people of Romania that he had promised the nation of Israel. Sitting in their cells in communist Romanian prison, the men prayed, and over the speakers, the communist propaganda played every hour, every day. And daily, more men from the church were sent to prison. While they prayed for a miracle, it seemed impossible. That Friday, the police showed up with their moving van. The church was standing outside the apartment building, singing and praying. The apartment building was across from the train station. As citizens came off the train, they saw this crowd. They were curious as to what was going on, so they joined the crowd. Learning that these people were standing up against the government suddenly filled them with courage and they joined in, and the crowd grew larger and larger with each train that stopped. Other pastors heard that a crowd had gathered to protect their pastor, so they called their own congregation to join. People traveled from other provinces to become part of the protest. A young boy named Daniel lit a candle, and then handed a candle to the person next to him, then used his candle to light their candle. And soon more and more candles were lit. Other pastors also brought candles, and as the day turned to night, they lit their candles and continued to sing hymns of worship to God and pray. The next day, the police brought out water cannons, but the crowd attacked them, took the water cannons apart, and then continued to sing. It's now Sunday, December 17th. The soldiers were no longer planning to evict Pastor Tokes. Now they want to kill him. The pastor and his wife escape to the church, and they sit together under the communion table, holding their Bibles. The police break down the doors and pull Pastor Tokes into the courtyard and beat him. Then they take him and his wife away to prison. More soldiers are sent in. Tanks and dogs were also brought. But no matter how much force was shown, the crowd only grew in size. People showed up with Romanian flags with a communist symbol cut out of the flag. They continued to march, sing hymns, and wave the new flag. Nikolai and Elena ran out of patience. They ordered the soldiers to shoot, shoot, and kill them all. The soldiers begin to shoot first at the ground, in order to convince the protesters to stand down. When the protesters begin to move forward, they start to shoot their feet, then their legs, then chests, then faces. 
The young boy named Daniel, who lit the first candle, was marching when a young girl grabbed his arm and marched alongside with him. Suddenly she dropped to the ground. Daniel looked down. She was dead. All around him, people began to fall dead, and the shooting continued. Then Daniel felt a bullet hit him. He fell down, injured, but not dead. By the end, more than a thousand people would be killed. Still the crowd marched forward, marching towards their own death and shouting, There is a God! There is a God! Then the soldiers stopped shooting. As if blinders were removed from them, the soldiers suddenly saw what they were doing. The people were not the enemy. Nikolai and Elena were the enemies. On Wednesday, December 20th, Nikolai made a speech condemning the protesters. He said that foreigners had infiltrated the church, the Romanian citizens loved him, and the soldiers had taken care of the issue. Thursday, December 21st, the crowd had traveled to the capital, and protesters from every province had joined in. People found a mass grave with naked bodies that had been tortured. They were people who had been taken from the protest. Friday, December 22nd. It was one week after the eviction was supposed to take place. Nikolai got up to make a speech. The media was there to cover the speech. Actors have been planted throughout the crowd. Each pause Nikolai would make was planned. And when Nikolai would pause, the camera would move to where the actors were supposed to be and get their planned emotional responses. Everything was ready. Nikolai began his speech. But what he didn't know, what the media didn't know, was that the Communist Party no longer had control of the people or the soldiers. When he started his speech, the people began to boo him. His face showed his shock. How could the people be booing him? Then they began to chant, God is with us. The camera stopped broadcasting, but they continued to record. Even the government-controlled propaganda machine knew that what was happening was historical and had to be recorded. Nikolai and Elena rushed to a helicopter to escape. The crowds began to tear down posters, flags, statues. They took signs off buildings. Everything communist was torn down. Then they began to track down the secret police and drag them to the capital for prosecution. Meanwhile, the helicopter broke down and was forced to land. Elena took a gun and forced a car over and then forced the driver to take them out of the country. Instead, the driver realized who he had in his car, so he drove them to where the soldiers were waiting for them. Nikolai and Elena still were not realizing what was happening. They thought they were safe now that they were with their soldiers, and they allowed the soldiers to take them to a new location where they assumed they would be secretly taken out of the country or held there until the soldiers regained control of the situation. Meanwhile, the crowd had taken over the propaganda media 
and is using the cameras to tell the world, communism is dead and God is alive. Sunday, December 23rd, Christmas Eve. Over 200,000 people have gathered and they're shouting, there is God. And then they're shouting, God is with us. God is with us. The men in the prison are completely unaware of what is happening. They're still praying for a Christmas miracle. No idea that in just one week, the Communist Party that had controlled the country for decades has fallen. Nikolai and Elena also have not realized that the Communist Party is dead. Christmas Day at noon, helicopters arrive at the location where the two are being held. The couple assume the helicopters are there to take them to a location that's more comfortable. They complain about the bad food and places where they've been held. But the helicopters are not there to take them away. They're bringing people for the trial of Nikolai and Elena. Christmas Day, 1230. Nikolai and Elena were given a medical examination to make sure they're healthy enough to stand trial. They refuse to accept the medical examination. They realize they are on trial now. Nikolai will not participate. He says the trial is not legal. At one o'clock, the court trial starts, and 55 minutes later, they're found guilty. They are immediately taken to be executed. The couple argues with the guards, telling them they should be ashamed of themselves, that he is the president, and how dare they tie their hands. The men are taken out of the building. Before they can be escorted to the firing squad, the soldiers see them. The anger inside of them explodes. They're angry not at just what Nikolai and Elena have done, but what they've convinced the soldiers to do. When they see Nikolai and Elena exit the building, they began to shoot more than 100 bullets. Meanwhile, in the Romanian prison, it's Christmas Day, 1989. You're inside a Romanian prison cell. The men in the cell with you have been arrested for attending a church service that was opposed to the dictator, Nikolai. They've been praying for a miracle. Over the loudspeaker, communist propaganda is playing. It plays 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Suddenly, around two o'clock Christmas Day, the propaganda stops. The speaker is silent. Silence is spooky. The prison has not been silent the entire time the men have been in prison. And suddenly a voice plays over the loudspeaker. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for him to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, 
and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and good will towards men. And so it was, when the angel had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Imagine being held in that prison. You spent your life living under this rule. Everything is controlled by the government. The food you eat, what time you have to be in your home, the temperature in the buildings. You can't leave ever and people randomly disappear. You can't trust anyone, family or friends. Then you're arrested for going to church, held in a prison, listening to communist propaganda day and night, praying for a miracle. And then, Christmas Day, the prison plays Luke chapter 2 over the speakers. December 25th, just 10 days after Pastor Tokes was to be taken from his home and his church bulldozed, the newspaper headline read, The Antichrist is dead. Jesus is born. The young man Daniel, who lit the first candle and was shot, survived, but he lost his leg. He said, I don't mind so much the loss of my leg. After all, it was I who lit the first candle. The church had stood for truth. They had refused to back down. Christmas 1989, the church was not bulldozed. It was, in fact, packed full. People were worshiping and rejoicing. Communism fell in ten days through a preacher a crowd singing hymns of worship to God, prisoners praying for a miracle. In Joshua chapter 24, we read the story of the people of Israel, and God told them to make a choice. They could follow the gods of the Amorites, or they could follow the true God. They could not stand in the middle. Choose you this day whom you will serve. The people of Romania had abandoned God, but one pastor had asked the people to make a choice. The government had asked them to make a choice years ago. The government had promised them an Eden on earth. They promised them that under atheism, everyone would live in equity. They just had to throw away those old-fashioned ideas of the church and embrace the new atheist way of life. And after decades, they lived in extreme poverty and every part of their life was controlled by the government. They had chosen to leave God and follow the government. In 1989, 
one pastor had asked them to choose again, choose who they would serve. They could follow the Communist Party and worship the state, or they could follow God and worship him. When the Romanians turned their hearts back to God, when they worshipped God with song and with sacrifice, when they humbled themselves and prayed, God heard their prayers and he healed their land. The Communist Party completely dissolved overnight and it has never been revived. Churches across Romania opened and were filled. People looking for hope and salvation didn't turn to the government. They turned to the only place you could find hope and salvation. They entered the church and they heard the word of God, preached boldly and courageously. Pastor Tokes became a national pastor. He helped the new government work with the people to find healing and forgiveness. As the citizens began to realize they'd been brainwashed and they'd done horrible things, they had to forgive themselves and seek forgiveness from other people. People had to learn how to trust their family and friends again. People had to learn how to live in freedom of not being able to make choices for themselves. It would take a long time before Romania would be completely healed. Elections had to be held and a president instead of a dictator had to be elected. Parliament had to be established and a new court system had to be built including a brand new Supreme Court that would follow the rules of law and not a dictatorship government. It wasn't until 2007 that Romania became part of the European Union and Pastor Tokes ran and won a seat in the European Parliament. Today we ask you to make a choice. Choose today whom you will serve. Where I live, I see a country that needs men of courage. We need churches to turn back to God we need to stop allowing the government to control our churches. We need to worship God and we need to worship God alone. But if we can humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways and pray, God will hear from heaven and he will heal our land. We learn this from the story of the Christmas miracle of 1989. We end today with news footage from that day. I ask to have religious freedom Lord without fear. The communist regime has taken God from the souls of the people. There is God. There is God. Everybody is shouting. There is God. Life in Romania has changed extraordinarily. Homes are warmer, streets are brighter, there's more food in the shops, people speak and act openly. And why? Because the Romanian people decided to end their enforced enslavement to the dictator Nicolae Ceausescu. Romania, until a few short weeks ago, was a Stalinist enclave, resisting the democratic tide sweeping neighboring countries. But the shooting down of demonstrators in the town of Timisoara started a wave of protest which spread eventually to Bucharest in the south. This evening, a special Today Tonight report describes the sort of social and economic slavery that the Romanians rebelled against. 